Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that goes deep on all the dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. I'd like to go deep on something dumb. Yes. Have you realised? Here we go. I don't like the face that you're pulling. Have you realised that in your intro you did the wrong your? Oh, okay. But these are my notes and my notes only. I also I also spelt the podcast name Shamless. And I think you picked up my typo. And then I thought it was funny because I was like, well, there's not a sham here. In fact, there is because there's lots of typos. I am. You know I'm the queen of typos. Like my fingers go a million miles an hour and barely any word is spelt correctly. My favorite part about your typo struggle is that you make typos while apologizing for your. <laughs> it is one of my deepest flaws. Like I think most of my messages are like illiterate. They are. Yeah. As someone who messages you daily, they are extremely. <laughs> so illiterate. most of my notes today are quite illiterate, but that's good. You can't steal any of my points. Okay. Good. Anyway, coming. <laughs> Oh, all right, moving along. Coming up on today's show, Love Island has hit our screens. And what in the world is the deal going to be? Plus, the great big Aussie radio saga enveloping Emrishiano. And two years after first being accused of domestic violence, Johnny Depp appears more bulletproof than ever. But first, Michelle, how has your week been? It was a good week until I had the Uber ride from hell last night. Oh, yeah. What happened? So I... She says, knowing full well, what happened? We'll tell the listeners what happened. I got into an Uber. I finished work quite late in uh, the middle of the city and it was 10.30 at night. I got into an Uber with this random driver, obviously. And Is that how Uber works? Yeah, that's how Uber works. They have this app. Anyway, so I get in, he begins driving and almost straight away cancels the trip on our app so Mm. i was looking at the app because i like to track it because i'm not really interested in being attacked and (laughs) that's fair (laughs) and i go to him i'm like why have you canceled our trip what's going on and he goes just put your address into my maps app and i'll take you home for free (laughs) no thank you yeah and i was like what i was so confused i was just like sorry what Uh, i'm going to die but at least i'm not getting charged for it (laughs) and so Sorry, we had, had this standoff fresh. where we looked at each other and he was like, I'll take you home for free. I was like, get me the fuck out of this vehicle. I'm in a car with a strange man. It dawned on me very quickly. How do you say, do you just say, I'm getting out of here? I literally said, we put up at the lights and I looked down at my phone and I said, I feel incredibly uncomfortable. Did you, were you honest? I feel really uncomfortable. I'm going to get out of the car now. And then he looked at me and said, oh, no, 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 it's fine. You can stay. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> Bye. Got out of the car. Got another Uber. I reported him. I don't know whether this bit makes it worse or better. I'll hear your thoughts on it. I then, after reporting him to Uber and looking at his history, it was his first night as an Uber driver. And that could go one of two ways, couldn't it? It could be that he was really flustered and just yeah, made a mistake. Probably. It could mean that was he was going to Uber. First, first and last Uber ride. Oh. <sighs> anyway, that was that. it was a good week until that. And then I got home and had a full-blown panic attack. Um, it's only been 24 hours, so it's probably too fresh to joke about, but I'm glad we're joking about it. How was your week? Um, far less dramatic than that. <laughs> uh, no, no rogue. Actually, I get the Uber. I get the, the Uber. I get Uber at four o'clock in the morning and I opened your message at four o'clock in the morning and I was like, well, fuck, I'm about to get into an Uber in the dark now too. Um, but apart from that, no, just fine. You could have become a true crime story. Yeah. It could have been a news story. Yeah. How meta would that have been? <laughs> I know. Hey, one thing that has been everywhere this week, but probably not as big as the Bachelor is Love Island coming up or that's just aired last night. Yeah, well, I'm freaking out because I am the Love Island UK versions biggest fan. 
I am its absolute biggest fan. I got all of my family onto it as well. Last year, you, the UK had their biggest season of Love Island ever. It eclipsed every other reality TV show. It was huge in its ratings and in its success. It was huge down here. I think it was on, what, Nine Go or something. Yeah, I wrote a review for it last year and so many people read that review and so many people agreed and loved it. So it's a similar premise, I understand, to Bachelor in Paradise, but they are not former reality contestants just future reality contestants is that right it's literally getting a bunch of super hot i take issue with that i have seen the photos of the people on this season they'll be hot in person believe no me. disrespect um just a super hot people in a house basically there to have sex with each other and then there's supposed to be this twist at the end which never really ends up being a twist in that the final couple which is decided by a public vote it's kind of like the big brother crossed mm. with Par- batch in paradise the final couple can either choose to stay together or they choose to take home $50,000. That's amazing. It sounds amazing, but when it actually happens, you realize that before the end of the reality TV show, these people have millions of Instagram followers already. They're hugely popular. They've got careers of being influencers ahead of them. They don't need to take $50,000. They'll get paid $50,000 for promoting your teeth whitener. But maybe the UK version, but I think um, I know Australian culture certainly celebrates Australian reality TV stars, but their, their lifespan in terms of being famous is not huge. So I wonder if it'll be really different in in Australia. Well, this is the funny thing. Love Island was never big. It was never yeah. supposed to be big. If you think about it, $50,000 of prize money is nothing compared to some shows that used to have a million. So this true. is like a budget, never supposed to be primetime TV, sister channel kind of thing. It was on ITV2, I think, in the UK. It was tiny. The first two seasons were not big at all. It was almost like the third season was cast so spectacularly that it was a cult TV show that had a cult following. What interests me about how Channel 9 are going about Love Island this year is it's also not on Channel 9. I think it's also on 9 Go. And I wondered, because you are the Love Island expert, I have never seen an episode, if if this is a really calculated decision because Australian reality TV is so much more refined than overseas, if this is their way of sort of keeping it a bit underground so that it can be a bit more rogue. We're really sanitised in Australia. Yeah. We don't have sex it's- on reality TV as a blanket rule, really. Apart from Married at First Sight, where you kind of just see a bit of I don't know, two dishevelled people under the cover the next morning. Love Island is the antithesis of that. But do you think then that that those rules will apply in the Australian version? I think Channel 9 have intentionally put Love Island on 9 Go because Channel 9 probably have more of a conservative following than I say the Channel 10 type of demographic I think that would be pretty fair. Pretty conservative, a little bit older probably. Most people would be... Uh, just stunned to see the level of what is shown and the behavior that is shown on Love Island. It is edgy and racy. Think Geordie Shaw, like the sex scenes in Geordie Shaw where two people are under the covers clearly going at it. Haven't seen Geordie Shaw either. Oh my God. I know. What? I know. I'm sure everyone listening will be nodding their heads along and going, ah, yes. Yeah. Sex from Geordie Shaw. I did see Big Brother in its time. It's with turkey slap and all. It's way worse than that. It's way worse than Big Brother. That's incredible to me. Um, Michael Cargreg, who is a pretty well known Australian psychologist this week, was interviewed. 
And he came out and he said he was quite concerned about this show in particular because of how it was going to betray and treat women. And uh, the other thing I wondered was, is is that really common in a thread that binds the other series and that women aren't treated that well? Or maybe they are slut-shamed for sleeping around? So I actually disagree with that. As someone who has now watched all three seasons, after watching the third, I Look, went I'm back sure and you've watched-, watched more than Michael Carr, Greg. I'm going to say that. <laughs> As someone who watched the third season, loved it. I then what- went and watched back all of season one and two and my sister Claire actually did the exact same thing. We were that obsessed with it. I don't agree. I actually think it's very sexually free. No one gets judged for sleeping around. If anything, it's more looked upon as they're all young. They're all having fun. It's a beachside thing. They're there to have sex with people. Well, and while that might well be the intention of the show, I guess my concern and perhaps um, Cargreg's concerns too, is that Australians are not very good at accepting women that have sex freely. And I wonder if he's more concerned is how we're going to receive women that are really free sexually. Well, in that sense, it might actually be good to show yeah. what, how a lot of young people live. My main concern, obviously we've only had one episode, so I can't judge too much. And another thing to keep in mind is that, yes, we've got 10 contestants in the house now. We will probably have another 20 walk through those doors. People chop and change all the time. You constantly have new people coming in to mix it up. So then why are the first 10 contestants all white? Yeah, that's a bad thing. Before we get to yeah. the racial diversity, though, is that... What I was going to say is that my main concern lies in that all the women in the house currently are shown as being hot girls who aren't very career focused or don't necessarily have a whole lot of uh, narrative behind them. Whereas the UK version, my theory on why it went so well last year is because it hit the nail on the head between being trashy, but also also having substance behind it. So there was one contestant on last year's show. Her name was Camilla. She won the hearts of everyone who watched that show. She was a bomb disposal expert. You're kidding. She was, so her job was disposing of remnants of war and she was beautiful. She'd been on a date with Prince Harry before. She was so intelligent. So it's that mix of high and low. Exactly. And her being there was highbrow enough for every other lowbrow moment to be excused (laughs) because Camilla was on the show and she was amazing and she was royal-esque almost. And that is what made season three explode into the mainstream. Pun. (laughs) Explode into the mainstream. Oh, you're proud of that one. (laughs) Just realised what I did because... She was there. And I worry with the Australian version that it's all just too sugary. There's not going to be enough depth there. We need a lawyer. We need a doctor. We need someone I just, with a bit I of- don't know what lawyers and doctors are applying for these shows. Not in disrespect to the shows. I'm just going to be brutally honest. I did touch on, um, just before we tie this one up, the, the fact that they are all white and there was a little bit of chatter on Twitter, as there always is, about that fact. And it is very jarring. In fact, I was surprised looking at that image I was surprised how jarred I felt when I saw all of these white people because, I mean, we've seen white people on TV forever. I mean, Australian TV has struggled with diversity for so long. But I, it's so surprising to me that they just didn't even make an effort. I think we're becoming way more sensitive to these issues as well now. The Love Island cast so far looks about as white as the Channel 9 sports commentary team. Yeah, well, that's white, so true. White, white, But I guess the idea behind reality TV is that we think, oh, this should reflect us, even though us, we're not going onto the show. But there is this sense that it should be a microcosm of society, even though it very rarely is. But I will be really interested to see the contestants that come into the show and if they're is that racial diversity there? Um, because if there's not, oh, I 
I will be really baffled. for the quick and dirty. You guys know the drill. I say you guys know the drill every single week, but you do. Uh, We go through the top five celebrity stories that you might have missed from the rough and tumble of the news cycle this week. Zara McDonald, you are kicking it off, taking it away. I'm in charge. Flying the flag. Okay. Championing the segment. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) I am ready and I'm raring. Um, The first story on my list today, Michelle, Megan's suit co-star. Suit. I'm going to say suits instead. Co-star Patrick J. Adams has apologized for the royal wedding body shaming incident. That was from Marie Claire. It was Marie Claire. I love how you say Marie Claire. (laughs) Or, you know, Marie Claire. Um, I thought this was a really pretty crazy story. It was. I will recap. Thank because you. that is what I do best. Thank you very much. Uh, Patrick J. Adams was shamed in the media for looking a little bit chubby at the royal wedding or looking like he had gained a bit of weight around his face. He was then approached about this by a woman at the airport and was so incensed that this random woman had the nerve to tell him so that when she then promptly fell asleep at the airport, he took a photo of her body and posted it on Instagram as revenge. Yeah, I could not believe that someone with a following like Patrick J. Adams would not look at his following and say, this is sort of an unfair swipe. Like, this is not revenge. This is so that we're not on level playing fields. And this is the thing. I think he is right in feeling angry and he's right in feeling upset that a random person fat shamed him. It's not right that she said what she said. Of course not. And of course that is horrible. I think what celebrities and influencers always need to keep in mind is that the pendulum swings incredibly quickly. People just forget straight away the minute you do something a little bit worse. People forget that the original comment was even bad and you just look like an asshole. I think they do have to walk this really fine line in finding a way to articulate or communicate their distress about comments like that without coming across, like I said, like an asshole and making the other person suddenly the victim in all of this. At the end of the day, she fat shamed him to one person and he fat shamed her to millions. So it's a huge disparity of power. And I think celebrities need to appreciate that if they're going to accept the uh, benefits of fame and the money and the influence and the notoriety, they also need to accept that there's a long way to fall. And one of the downfalls of being a celebrity is you will be critiqued and judged and harshly analyzed. He was at the bloody royal wedding. He's doing fine. Yeah. Anyway. My second story. Um, I found this one really interesting. Ariana Grande defends her decision to end toxic relationship with Mac Miller. That is from Mamma Mia. So she wrote about this on Twitter? Yeah. So somebody said, so Mac Miller, her partner, who fans got really invested in this relationship because they were together during the Manchester bombings and came what appeared to be quite strong through it. And someone posted um, to her, Mac Miller had been sort of in a drink driving incident and said, why would you break up with him when he's so, so low? And she responded this very lengthy statement on Twitter and basically said, "I um, it's really unhealthy for us to be talking like that. I needed to leave this really toxic relationship and nobody should tell me that I had to stay because he has issues. And I thought her being really open about that was was so um, fresh. I don't know. I can't think of another word for it. Yeah. Pretty I- brave too because it, it's she did it in such a way where it didn't feel like she was bad-mouthing him but instead just sticking up for herself. Yeah, agree. I really enjoyed her comments that just because you're 
because someone's partner as a woman does not mean you should be their babysitter. Mm. And she didn't want to be his mother and she didn't want to be his carer. And I thought that was so poignant because for so many women who have adopted those roles traditionally, you don't want to do that in your relationship. And if your partner can't be mature enough to just stand on his own two feet, then you're within your right to walk away. Yes, there's there's an element of wanting to support someone who's struggling, but it seems like she tried to support him for two years and he wasn't willing to accept that support. Yeah, absolutely. Good on Ariana. Story number three. Backlash over disturbing interview with Arrested Development cast from news.com.au. Talk me through this one because I saw it around and I... It was too long for me to read. (laughs) No, I think this is, I think this might have bypassed a lot of radars. Um, I was so fascinated by this story. And if you, I honestly think you should go back and read it once we've had this conversation. So basically the cast of Arrested Development did an interview with the New York Times and there was sort of a whole group of them, maybe five or six of them in this interview. And two of the, the actors in the show Jeffrey Tambor and Jessica Walter had a pretty fractured relationship many, many years ago when she alleges that he screamed at her and verbally abused her. And the most interesting part about that relationship is that she didn't make that public. He did. So they're in this interview and the New York Times journalist says, look, I've got to bring up the the allegations or the, the scenario that happened all those years ago. And everyone in that room, all of the men jumped to the defense of Jeffrey Tambor. And it is so awkward to read because both of them are in this room and they're saying, oh, well, they're extenuating circumstances. Everybody abuses everyone. And she, meanwhile, is in tears saying, nobody has abused me ever like that in my entire life. Nobody has treated me like that. I know I need to let it go. I know I need to forgive you. And it is this real moment where they're all just sitting there. And it's like me too happening in real time where there's people defending the guy that's not that he sexually harassed her, but verbally abused her. And she's standing there almost on her lonesome trying to defend herself with a female co-star who was also trying to help but there's super interesting audio to go along with this story where you can hear her crying in the interview and this new york times journal must have just been sitting there being like i am sitting on gold <laughs> right struck now gold but it is a crazy interview um in the also the really curious part is nobody cares about jeffrey tambor in this entire scenario people are really fixated on jason bateman who was making so many excuses for bad behavior and it was making uh, making jessica walter look like she was making these outrageous claims that sort of weren't that important anymore were irrelevant and i think in our context of me too it's that message that's the real devil and i think that's what people are getting really upset about the ones that are apologists where can we listen to this so it's on the new york times there was audio in fact on the new i listened on twitter but i will put this in the show notes i'll find it after the show because i would so recommend it's a long interview but just to read through it it is so interesting yeah i'd love to listen is it a whole audio recording i only listened to about a minute and a half of when it really really climaxed okay interesting Number four, celebrities with 3 million followers can charge on average $187,500 for a post on YouTube and $75,000 for a post on Instagram or Snapchat from The Economist, who I would say know what they're talking about when it comes to money. That is so fucked. So someone like Zoella with, I think she's got 11 million followers, she can charge up to $300,000 for talking about a product 
on YouTube. They must feel like it's free money. Like they must be sitting there hacking themselves thinking I am making money doing nothing. Well, I'm not sure how invested in YouTube culture you are. You know that I'm a big fan of YouTube yeah, no, no, and I'm I watch not a really. lot. So uh, Zoella and her partner Elfie Days have been together for a long time. They live in Brighton in the UK. They live in a mega mansion. Mm. I'm not talking a nice house. I'm talking private driveway, huge, huge, expansive, green, lush gardens. Just, I will show you photos of her house after this. And that is Put all them bought. in the show notes as well. Yeah. And I'll put them in the Facebook group, actually. That Facebook group is going off every yeah, single week. So I'll put them in there. But if you look at Zoella's lifestyle, entirely based off her YouTube following, it is fucking insane insane it blows my mind crazy it's actually insane that 10 years ago this just didn't exist and sort of I say people struck gold because there obviously is a little bit of talent going on behind the scenes but perhaps not as much talent as it takes to actually be a journalist at The Economist that's writing this yeah and to sit there I mean you always see things like ASOS haul or boyfriend buys my outfits those posts are probably worth three hundred thousand dollars. Oh my god, that makes me feel sick. It's so gross Far and out. so envy-inducing at the same time. Those people have earned their money. I mean, they obviously they knew that they were ahead of the zeitgeist, so it's pretty impressive. Good on them as well. And number five, why Lily Allen just shared a photo of her neatly trimmed vagina on social media. Talk about turning a misogynist comments into something positive for yourself. So basically, for anyone who didn't know, Lily Allen had this troll send her a photo. It was taken at a concert where she clearly wasn't wearing underwear and it was a bit of an upskirting shot while she was up on stage and it showed her vagina. And he said, just a reminder that this will always exist on the internet. That's so fucked up. Yep. And so she shared that photo herself and took ownership of it and claimed it back for herself and used it as album promotion because her album is coming out in the coming weeks. That is brilliant. What's the name of her album? It's something to do with shamelessness. Is it? Yeah. Do we steal her name or did she still ours? She still ours. But I'm pretty sure that was the reason she shared it, that the yeah. concept behind her album is being fearless and owning yourself and being shameless. Lily Allen has great mind. <laughs> when you're promoting your own podcast in the middle of your own yeah. podcast. And so she shared this photo of her vagina and was like, fuck it, if you're going to try and shame me and be such a dickhead, I'm just going to use this as my own promo. And then what do you know, next minute, every major media website has covered that story. Brilliant. I'm going to go buy Lily Allen's I actually might album. too. I mean, I probably won't. I'll listen on Spotify. I'm not <laughs> sure if she gets much coin from that, but I'll do my best. I'll hey. stream it for free somehow. <laughs> yeah. That's all I've got for you today. Thanks, Zara. Kylie leaving was uh, hit me really hard. Um, and then, like, Ed and Grant were, like, they, they just got, they were put in the show. That was it. And and I got, all of a sudden got two co-hosts that I'd never really met or spoken to. And then I'm expected to have this instant chemistry with. And it was just hectic. And it was the M. Rossiano radio show. It was my show. And um, all of a sudden, Ed's anchoring. The show's called The Today FM Breakfast Show. Like, I took all these big ego hits. And, um... We're killing it online, but then our ratings were shit, old ratings, but we were number one beating Kyle and Jack and Facebook and Instagram, everything, because that's my audience. I've got half a million followers online. So they deemed me a failure and that, you know, we, we need to inject two people. 
It's been a turbulent week for today and Fox FM's M. Rusciano. After doing an interview on Will Anderson's Philosophy podcast, Rusciano was labelled difficult to work with and the root cause of a toxic work environment. And then the quote from an office insider who said, there have been casualties at the hands of M. Rusciano. Multiple media outlets ran stories on staffers walking out on their jobs, co-stars refusing to speak to Rusciano in breaks and simmering tensions everywhere. Zara, what do you make of it all? I feel I have sort of gone back and forth about this story and gone through a, a lot of different thought processes. I mean, just looking at that quote then, there have been casualties at the hand of M. Rusciano, makes it feel and look and sound like she's a goddamn murderer. Like it's very strong, very vicious language around M. Rusciano. And I think I am in two minds about it. We spoke about this this episode of Woolosophy on the podcast last week. Little did we know how much it would explode this week. Um, and she was, and I, I know a few of you guys have gone back and actually listened to that episode and she was not necessarily very angry in that episode but she was definitely passionate i mean she called the sydney media the c-word she did she dropped the c-bomb and i thought what was interesting in that in that interview is that there wasn't a news outlet um that she didn't degrade she went for the sydney morning herald she went for the daily mail and she went for the news.com the news.com sorry she went for (laughs) news.com but they are the three biggest news websites in sydney and they have such a control and a hold over the news cycle it's really surprising to me that i mean you never want to pander to the media but in some ways you kind of have to when that's your job especially the Sydney media who are super invested in breakfast radio and breakfast TV and can essentially make or break a career and if you give them something to work with say these really inflammatory quotes mm. they're going to run with that because inflammatory quotes and candid quotes like what M. Rusciano gave get clicks they get thousands and thousands well, of clicks. When, even when you just read them on a bit of paper they just they read a, a beautifully, like a really beautiful, dramatic piece of, of journalism. And it doesn't matter what context those words are said in. It doesn't matter what tone they're said with. Just when you read them, they seem crazily dramatic. They have a level of acidity to them where they kind of sting to read them. Definitely. And I think a listener put this in the Shameless Celebrity Gossip Facebook group and the discussion on that post was so interesting to me because initially I came to this story quite wary of M. Rusciano, which I feel bad saying that because she is such a successful and impressive woman. I think she has achieved so much off her own bat. She has created her own brand entirely off connecting with audiences and really nurturing those followings. But I am wary of her because I just don't like the idea of someone in power treating those below them poorly. No, and I think that is the single initial core issue is that I don't think you can have this many anonymous staff members come out and say it's a really toxic culture for it not to be true. I think also it wouldn't it wouldn't be hard at all for News.com and Daily Telly to get their hands on people that worked with them or used to work with them and they're not going to make these quotes up. Like they would everybody would know each other. These would be really legitimate quotes and so therefore a very legitimate sentiment. Um so I think first and foremost there is absolutely an issue with someone in a work environment being open about the fact they can't work with a team but not leaving that team. Yeah. I think if you're self-aware enough to know, well, I can't work with people. I always think that I'm right, which is what she is. I, I'm power 
paraphrasing, but it is what she told me. We Will can Addison. do the actual quote. Should we include this? Yeah, go for it. Radio brings out the worst aspects of my personality, hence the rumors that go around about me within the industry, and I'm hyper aware of that. And I'm tired because I'm not a morning person. My best ideas come at 2 a.m. I think I'm hurtling, hurtling towards implosion in the next six months. She then went on to say that she wishes she was like Hamish and Andy, but the fact of the matter is she can't work well in a team. So there are a couple of things in these quotes that did annoy me. Um, firstly, the idea that you can be really self-aware about your personality. And I think self-awareness is a really great thing, but self-awareness really frustrates me when you are using it to sort of as a preemptive strike before other people tell you you're hard to work with, you tell them, which is how this felt. Um, and I think if you can recognize that you're hard to work with, fucking change something, be better at it. I think she has been able to recognize this for years and years and years and years. And it is not good enough for me, for her to just come out and, and, and acknowledge it in an interview. I think the other thing I said when I saw this story break throughout the week is that when you go back and listen to the Wallace podcast, which I did because I have far too much time on my hands. Hence, when you ask me how my week is, I always go blank. Um, that it, it does feel like a very particular preemptive and premeditated strike of her knowing that the culture is at breaking point, knowing either she loses her job or the radio show implodes. And therefore it's really important that she puts this sentiment out into the world before people do it for her. Yeah. And I think the root cause of a lot of the tension and resentment towards M. Rusciano, even from the public, stems from the fact that we know she would be on huge money. Radio hosts all absolutely. No, I'm not not saying that she's not on big money, but I don't know if the average person would know how much money they're on. Well, Radio Insiders predict that a show like hers, which isn't doing at all the top rating, would be between 200000 and 400000 But I would hedge a bet a that year. most, that if you straw polled people out on the street, they wouldn't realise it was that much money. See, I really, I, I think they would, they would know that they're successful, but I don't think that people would have any idea that's how much money is in this game. Well, tell you, I'm pretty sure that even those numbers that I just rattled off were... Uh, kind of un- yeah modest because uh rove mcmanus when he was hosting a really failing radio show with sam frost was on millions well i think sam frost was on about a quarter of a million with no experience yeah so if she's on that with no experience yeah what is m rashiano someone who's got a huge following and huge career behind her what is she on so that's what annoys me it's fine to say i'm not a morning person but you have enough dollars behind you to make you a morning person oh i think I don't know if I buy that. I'm a morning person. I'm not a morning person. I mean, I would have said maybe two years ago, I wasn't a morning person, but at the end of the day, you just get up and do your job and, and live your life to make money. Like that's just how it has to go. And I think you just drink a cup of concrete when it comes to getting up in the mornings. There is another side of me in this whole discussion that does think the most creative people, as in the most engaging, the most successful, the most wild personalities in the Australian media are typically the most difficult to work with. I think the stereotype of being a raving weirdo who's on a different frequency to everyone else has some merit because sometimes to build great things, you can't operate in the same way that all other humans operate. And I think there's a lot to the point that very creative individuals, say mad geniuses or um, people who build things from the ground up just out of their own brain and uh, sweat and tears – those people are difficult to work with because they're not like your average people. No, and I think we've definitely had conversations with this in the past because going into the media seems like a good idea. When you, like me, leave school and just want to write, like that's all I wanted to do when I wanted to leave school. I just wanted to write and journalism made sense. And then you enter the industry and it sounds a bit brutal, but you realize, like a lot of industries, but this one in particular, it is brimming to the – like 
it's overflowing with ego and narcissism. And that is a really confronting thing to come into the industry and realize that I don't know if I can compete against people that have this much ego, that have this much narcissism, that is willing to go or that they are willing to go to the nth degree in order to get what they want. And that is a, is a really hard thing for young people to come into an industry and see. And so when I see someone like Emriciano and I hear these kinds of rumors, it is so deflating for someone young in this sort of industry to hear that. And then also assume, because I agree with you, that perhaps maybe you can't get to that point and not have that a, a little bit inside of you. I don't think you should be too deflated because I think there are other smart, strong women in the radio space who have proven that you don't need to uh, push other people down to rise. And I'm not saying Emrashiano does that. No, we I'm should be really careful. No, I'm saying that I think there are strong women in the radio space who aren't ruled by ego necessarily from what we can see there's Fifi Box Chrissy Swan Kate Langbrook that's just in the Melbourne radio no you're so right and I think what I was really interesting this week actually is I interviewed the thinker girls who used to be on Kiss and I asked them about this Emrishiano scenario and they were super defiant about this story and they said we can't comment on Emrishiano's behavior because we don't know her we don't know the people that work for her but what we can say is that the fact this story has come out about Emrishiano and this is a direct quote is a hundred percent gendered because they said every single day in every single setting in every single radio room that they've ever been in has been countless characters like Em that treat people like this and the fact that it's only ever come out about her and so viciously as well means that we still can't handle a woman that's not perfectly pure. The women you just named, maybe apart from Kate Langbrook, uh, play this role of being the nice, kind, self-deprecating, smart, inoffensive woman. We like It is so much harder to rise when you don't want to play that game. Yeah. And Emrashiano is so unapologetic in her candor. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard for us to comment. We've never met M. Rashiano. Uh, but I don't think the point. I think I don't think the point anymore is whether or not she treats her staff like this. I mean, if she does, it's horrible, and I don't stand for it. But I think the point is far more broad in her, a how this story has broken and b how we are handling it. Um, there was this piece in the Sydney Morning Herald this week that was so nasty, and it basically compared M. Rashiano to Kyle Sandilands. God. And I just think totally worlds apart, like entire worlds apart. If you were to put down on paper what M. Rusciano stands for compared to what Kyle Sanderland stands for, you could not find two more. But isn't that so stark to you that we see a woman that just wants to speak out on radio, um, that just wants to be unapologetic in what she says and what she believes Mm -hmm. in, and automatically we make the comparison to Kyle Sanderland's one of the most vile people on radio. To be honest, I'd really like to see Em, if the Today thing doesn't work out, see her go off and do her own podcast series even, or do something by herself because she's so successful off her own bat. And if she doesn't like a team environment, don't work in a team environment, go and create your own. But it would also be really frustrating for the executives at Fox FM and at Today because their ratings have hit a five-year high under Grant Denyer, Ed Cavalli and M on that breakfast morning show. They are doing better than they have in a very long time and to reach that success and slowly claw back what they lost when they lost Kyle and Jackie O five years ago would be really disheartening to then 
all publicity is good publicity. That show has never had more publicity in the last week. So I don't even think they're that concerned. The The second part of that SMH story that I actually did find interesting was the thought that there's no way she is going anywhere on this show. A, because there's been so much publicity about the show in the last week, but B, because they don't care if people are hard to work with. And the Thinker Girls back this up. Everybody is hard to work with in that industry. There's a lot of ego going around that this is just another day at Today FM. My concern would lie, though, in the fact that if she and Ed Cavalier indeed aren't talking to each other, which is what a staff member leaked to the media, yeah. if they're not talking to each other, you can't make two people work together no, who don't and like I each other. I think they did only say it was for a day. Okay. I imagine Ed Cavalier is smart, smart and likable enough to just suck it up. But it, there is then the question of whether he will last. Mm, it'll be very interesting to watch what happens next. I'm so looking forward to it. And Australians are just as unique, both warm and direct. When you disrespect Australian law, they will tell you firmly. I am truly sorry that Pistol and Boo were not declared. Protecting Australia is important. Declare everything when you enter Australia. Two years ago this week, Amber Heard filed for divorce from Johnny Depp. Four days after that, Heard went to court to get a restraining order, alleging that he abused her. In the two years that have followed, weathering an entire Me Too storm, Depp hasn't struggled with work, hasn't struggled maintaining a reputation, and, well, hasn't struggled at all, really. In fact, the trailer for his latest movie, City of Lies, just dropped. Mish, why do you think Johnny Depp has evaded the backlash afforded to men like him? He is so lucky with how and when all of that unfolded with Amber Heard. It's it's oh timing wise. Timing I think yeah. it is entirely in timing. If Amber Heard had come out last year around the time of Me Too and alleged domestic violence, Johnny Depp would have been pulled from every movie he had an involvement with. He would have been removed. Whereas when he was involved with, I can't remember the name of it, that Harry Potter... The Fantastic Beasts. There you go. Harry Potter sequel in 2016, there was calls for him to be removed and yet J.K. Rowling and different producers decided against it. I don't think that would be – that wouldn't really stand in 2017 or 2018. I think the entire reason we pity Johnny Depp more than we hate him is because of timing. What do you mean we pity him? Uh, I did a lot of reading on this, and often that assault and that incident that happened with Amber Heard that left her with a bloodied lip and bruised face, which it was never really decided what exactly happened. Well, there's pretty, recordings of it. There's, there's recordings. Audience, yeah. there's, there's no doubt. And he has apologized. Yeah. So, I mean, we can be careful by saying alleged, but he has apologized and there's recordings of him abusing her. Yes. So that's all been framed as a fall from grace. It hasn't mm. been framed as an assault. It's been framed as how the most attractive, desirable leading man of Hollywood fell from grace. Isn't that so interesting then that it's sort of, he was he was never always like this. Whereas when it comes to the Harvey Weinsteins, and I, not that I want to put them in the same sentence, but it was like this was a violent man hiding in plain sight. Whereas with Johnny Depp, it's very likely the same thing, a violent man hiding in plain sight. But we would love to think that all of those years that we loved him, he was just as we thought he was. Yeah, I, it's almost like we've taken taken Amber Heard out of the equation totally and made this entirely about Johnny. The problems and the afflictions that he has and not the woman who suffered at the hands of them. Yeah, it, it does. There is this sense that he is just very complicated and will never quite understand Johnny Depp. Tortured Johnny Depp uh. is the narrative instead of violent Johnny Depp. What I did find interesting is that in June last year, when he was at Glastonbury, um, Depp jokingly suggested that someone should assassinate Donald Trump. So he said something like, when was the last time an actress assassinated a president, he asked. And so the statement 
like drew immediate backlash. People were furious. I think the White House issued a statement about it. He had to apologize. General people like Hollywood in general were calling for boycotts for his films. It was insane that a, a comment about political violence wasn't taken nearly as seriously as domestic violence. I don't think, I don't remember any boycotts for Johnny Depp's um, career back when the Amber Heard allegations came to light. And there was this really interesting piece that Constance Grady wrote for Vox. And she said something like, if we took domestic violence seriously, we would have less issues with political violence because they're so neatly tied together. Whereas people want to jump on the political violence bandwagon and get so angry about this. Whereas if you actually took the set, the other issue, the domestic violence issue seriously, first and foremost, most, we'd have so much less of, of, of the violence that he's talking about with, you know, random assassinations. Well, it's really crazy to see how people consider Amber Heard even now. I think she was met with such doubt and such Which suspicion. Which is crazy. She did everything right. Amber Heard did everything right. She divorced him. She went and got a restraining order. She had photographs, photographs audio. She donated every cent of that settlement to charity. Like, I don't know what else she possibly could have done. And she is still called a liar and a gold digger. She literally was the victim of timing. He benefited so much from that story coming out in 2016. And if it had been a year later, I think it would be so different where these two ended up. Do you think there's something, and I want to phrase this right, because I have to be really careful with how I go about this. But I think there's also something that is not sexy at all about domestic violence. And yet when we come to talking about sexual harassment, and I'm talking very literally here, the idea that sex or the assumption that sex is involved, that that naked bodies are involved, that someone is whipping their dick out like Harvey Weinstein did, that is a far, and I'm being really careful with my wording, but a far sexier kind of visual kind of violence that we just don't, we just don't put them on the same level or we just don't care as much. Yeah, it's more titillating to hear about yeah, rape cases. That's a much better way of putting it. It's more it. titillating than it is to hear about uh, punching your wife. Yeah, I mean, how jarring was that? No, like that is exactly what it is alleged he did. And I think for me, that is plays a huge role in us not giving a shit, not just the timing, but also the fact of, of, of the abuse, the nature of the abuse. Yeah. I think it's also really interesting that we're having this conversation in the context of Morgan Freeman this week because Morgan Freeman very recently um, – is alleged to, I think, more than eight women came out to CNN and accused him of sexual harassment. And I think the sense around this story is total and utter fatigue. Yeah. Uh, Me too fatigue is depressing. And I feel like I felt it for a long time, actually, especially when you're in the media and you have to uh, really pour over every single case of sexual harassment or uh, inappropriate behavior in Hollywood, you realize how rampant it is. And I know that you and I, in our day jobs at Mamma Mia, last year we collated a list of every man in Hollywood who has been accused of sexual harassment or assault. And the list was just expansive. It took yeah. us, it took you hours. It took hours. Me like half a day. Um, yeah, you're so right. And it is, it is depressing. There is no doubt about that. But even when I was just, so the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning was that Morgan Freeman story. And I was like, out of my mouth, like, so, I mean, I, this is what I do for a job. So I, I probably care more than the average person, but I was scrolling through and I was jumping on my phone just onto homepages of, of world news sites. And in a lot of cases, it wasn't even making the top stories like on the news on, on homepages. And I found that quite astounding that there is not an appetite for these kinds of stories anymore. I think if you go and read the Facebook comments on the Morgan Freeman story, people are over it. 
now mm. calling people liars. So I think not only, even if we brought up Johnny Depp now, and I think even if we brought him up in the context of the Me Too conversation last year, I still reckon people are like, uh, I'm so tired. I'm so bored of it. Can I just deal with the ones that are new that I can actually handle? Yeah. Strangely, I think there's also an element of us infantilizing Johnny Depp. We almost see him like a misbehaving toddler. Quirky uncle. Yeah, quirky uncle or quirky toddler Johnny Depp. The um, reports that came out earlier in the year that he has spent almost all of his $650 million fortune. On what? On yachts. He, yeah. <laughs> this is my favorite part, Johnny Depp. How much do you think he spends on wine? Wine in a month. I love doing this. I'm going to say $3 billion because it's obviously oh, going to be less and I've hell, ruined the story. So <laughs> that so is annoying. literally my favorite thing to do. He spends about $30,000 on imported wine monthly. Times that by 12. It's just obscene, isn't it? It is obscene. I, but you're so right. There is this idea that he is like sort of a, a misbehaving toddler or a quirky uncle. And I think there's... A very this, drunk toddler. Yeah. But it, there is this element of not like there's we're not that surprised maybe that plays into it too is that well he was always a bit quirky we're not that surprised it's not shocking whereas if it was someone like Channing Tatum who plays into the really clean cut dad no exactly but I think outcry would come so I think there's a lot of elements to it I found myself googling during the week a lot like (laughs) I would love someone to see my google history (laughs) Um, uh, why is Hold John- a red tube in there? <laughs> is that what it's called? Is that the no, I was like checking the spelling of pedophilia at work today and someone walked past my computer. I'm like, this is great. All I've got in my Google search bar is pedophilia. Anyway, don't worry. Yesterday I literally had to Google Lily Ellen naked vagina. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, what I was going to say was I did a lot of Googling and I wanted to say, I wanted to, to read about why Johnny Depp or why some people think Johnny Depp is still in work because I think for me that's the most interesting part in that people are still employing him. And when you have people like J.K. Rowling, one of the most progressive people on Twitter, coming out and supporting him, you do have a problem. And Kevin Lincoln wrote for Vulture, and I think this really nailed it for me. There is a certain kind of audacious, campy, over-the-top character that Depp has a monopoly on. In fact, he's pretty much punted on any movies that don't require him to go to such hyperbolic lengths. There is He does have a monopoly on a certain kind of type of character that nobody else can play. He has this really unique role in Hollywood that he streams ahead of everybody else and therefore there's always going to be work for him to play that quirky character. Yeah. All I can say is I feel exhausted by Johnny Depp as a human being. Same, but I think so am I. And I'm not even like, uh, I don't I feel even, exasperated. I totally feel exasperated. I would love for him to be out of work. I don't think he ever will be. Um, but I think it's even more important for us, even two years after he's been accused of this kind of stuff, to keep talking about it, to remind yeah. people that maybe, maybe like don't buy that movie ticket. I know that sounds so silly, but it's like... Small things. Yeah. It'll be really interesting. He's only in his 50s. This will sound ridiculous because he's been around for so long. (laughs) When we were researching him for this episode, I was thinking Johnny Depp was like 60, mid 60s. I feel like he hasn't aged in like the 40, like he's like Benjamin Button. Like he's just the same person all through the years. Yeah. Oh no, that is the opposite of Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button ages backwards. (laughs) You really fucked that one up. Yeah. On that note. I just feel like, (laughs) considering I fuck everything up. Um, (laughs) Oh. What? That's really sad. 
You think you fuck everything up? Yeah, I did write shameless at the top of this, <laughs> at the top of this episode plan. Anyway, hey, look, I think that's all we have time for. We don't have any answers on debt, but I do say it is interesting for us to keep, like I said, keep reminding people of of the kinds of things that he's accused of. Yeah, and his wine budget. Uh, yes, that too. <laughs> and his yachts. We haven't even scripted an outro, so let's try and wing it. Oh, this uh, will be good. Okay. Thanks so much for listening to episode uh, 12 of Shameless. You can subscribe to the show in your iTunes or podcast feed, wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us spread the word. We are a tiny little independent podcast and you subscribing means that other people can find us in the charts. The charts are entirely determined by subscribes and that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Yeah, that is true. You can also, if you want to kind of join in the conversation with us, we have a shameless celebrity gossip Facebook group that we love. We love so Um, hard. Please. I hate that saying, love so hard. It reminds me of something shit on Instagram. Um, But please come and join us there. We also have Instagram, like I told you guys last week. I created our Instagram last week. It is Shameless Podcast. I forget our username every time. It's yeah, well, like that. we have a different username. It's Shameless Celebrity Gossip for Facebook. And Shameless Podcast for Instagram. There we go. We're also on Twitter. We have Instagram ourselves. I don't know what else there is. You, oh, you can email us too, actually, at shamelessthepodcast at gmail.com. There are so many ways for you to get in touch. If you've got segment ideas or comments or thoughts of yourselves about things we've talked about, please Selfies. Touch. Send us a selfie. Mm, maybe not. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> I want to see this. Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which let's be real, Annabelle is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.